Hey, how's it going? This is Dan Wynn. And Mike Glassby. And this is the Military Cashflow Podcast, where we teach service members how to build wealth and create passive cash flow through real estate. We cover real deals, real numbers, and real lessons learned from other successful investors. Now, whether you're watching this on YouTube or you're listening on the podcast, we need you to like, share, and subscribe. Now, let's get started creating this military cash flow. Hey, what's going on, guys? This is Dan Wynn and Mike Glasby, and welcome to the Military Cash Flow. And so today, guys, we're gonna uh, we're gonna be talking about a topic that's really relevant right now. Many people are asking the question how the coronavirus is impacting real estate, and so we're gonna talk about some of the things that we've been seeing in our market, as well as things that have been happening to our personal portfolios as well. All right. So I know one of the first ones that I really kind of want to touch on is the short term rental space. All right. So Airbnbs are big right now. Right. Hotels are the same concept where it's a short term stay. But one of the biggest issues right now is this travel ban that, you know, many people are running across. You know, cities are shutting down. They're quarantining people to their to their uh, households. They're restricting the type of travel they can do, the amount of people that can gather. So short-term short -term rental owners or hotels or services, we're starting to see that impact a little bit. You know what I mean? Guests not, are not, not just, just, not just a little bit, man. It's, it's really, really hitting hard. Uh, like all the hotel, like the whole entire hotel industry, especially the, like the Airbnb, I've been seeing across um, everywhere. Some of our past guests have, uh, I've asked them personally, like, hey, how's your, how's your uh, tenants doing? They're saying, hey, man, we got a lot of cancellations and we're trying to figure out how to mitigate those risks or how to mitigate, you know, uh, this from continuing to, to, to spiral out of control pretty much. So, yeah. And you know, it's, what's funny is here in the, in the Fayetteville market, myself and, and a couple of my friends, we haven't seen any change. Mine really? is still booked out for a couple months. Um, one of my buddies actually increased his stay. They decided to stay um, because of the travel ban. They didn't want to travel back home. They had much rather stay here, right? So it's, it's really weird. It's really weird. But the effect is... is, is is the same across the nation, right? That, that travel ban affects people's mentality. They don't necessarily want to travel, so they may stay where they're at right now. They may, right? Or they, because if they're already here, right, they don't necessarily want to go back home, to travel back home. You know what I mean? The, the quarantine is kind of affecting both sides of the coin. Yeah, that's crazy you say that. So it must be like geographical because what he, like um, the Cav, who, who uh, was on our podcast um, long, long, I think it was like episode three, um, he, talking to him, he's like, uh, yeah, his New York listings, I guess they're starting to drop off a little bit. And I guess that makes more sense. So, um, but also he has some Airbnbs in the Columbus area as well. Uh, Columbus, Georgia, where, you know, they're doing, uh, graduations all the time because of limited restriction, practicing social distancing, right. Um, it's, it's guys can't, you can't, they're basically not having graduation. So that means that that's a complete cut there. So I guess it, I guess it depends on, uh, the structure of your Airbnb and like, how you're the audience that you're targeting, I guess that's a, the customer that you're, you're targeting. I guess that's a bigger. Absolutely. Cause I'd also look at the, uh, the geographic location, as you mentioned earlier, right? So some of the biggest things that have been impacted by this are going to be your large metropolitan areas, New York, Seattle, you know, Los Angeles, uh, Nashville, some of these areas that have this large density of population that have a higher risk, I guess, of spreading or contracting the virus that might possibly be seeing more of an impact. 
Um, somebody, I mean, again, right here in Fayetteville, it's a very stable market. Um, our population isn't really dense, right? It's kind of scattered out across the, the couple of uh, uh, local cities and counties. Um, and we're not seeing too much of an effect here. But it's definitely something to consider for all of the short-term um, real estate investors out there, right? Because I mean, is this something like you're now just trying to get in to short-term? It may not be the, the right time in the current you know, week or two weeks to do it. You can start building that up, but just understand that there is going to be a residual effect from this whole little outbreak, right? People aren't gonna just instantly hop on a plane as soon as they say, hey, we're all clear. Right? There's gonna be a little bit of a lag. So what what do you, what can these what can uh, these Airbnb um, hosts do to to mitigate some of this uh, some of their some of their losses? What do you what do you suggest? We aren't really experiencing much uh, much impact, right? But we prepared for it. We we had planned accordingly, and so one of the things we considered is we wanted to make sure that we had enough reserves in place just in case we couldn't actually complete the booking. We wanted to be able to take care of the next couple of months of mortgage rents, right? We always want to have that reserve. But the beautiful thing about short-term rentals is we're gonna collect income even if somebody stays for three days. So we didn't necessarily need an abundance of capital reserves for this, right? But you wanna be prepared. The next thing is make sure that you're using all of your uh, tax benefits for this, right? So. As you're aware, in real estate, we have a lot of write-offs because we're doing our, our business the proper way. So all the furniture, you know, you should be able to write that off or depreciate it depending on the price point. Get with your CPA on that. Um, but all these different times, these vacancies and everything else, this could work in your favor if these next upcoming months are going to be highly profitable. Sometimes these months can offset some of that uh, income uh, um, or, or using some of those tax advantages, you know, the write-offs and things like that. So just be creative in your approach for the short-term side. Yeah, you definitely get, um, that's going to that pretty much perfectly segues into um, our next, uh, how it affects the next market, which is um, any of the multifamily homes or just re really any of your other rental properties, just your, your long-term rental properties, right? Um, so we talk about vacancy costs and you can offset some of those vacancy losses um, using the tax benefits as well. So to, to, um, to maximize some of those are to decrease some of the gains that you have in income, which is, which is phenomenal. One of the big keys of um, advantages to real estate, right? The taxes. Mm -hmm. All right. So how it affects the, how it affects the, the regular rental portfolio or the regular, you know, your single family rental or your multifamily rental. Um, these uh, basically that with the travel ban and then also the, you know, stay in place. Um, it's, it's kind of, well, mainly, mainly the, um, the the new a lot of states are rolling out with uh the law that hey you can't uh evict evict in 90 yeah. days like it's like a 90 day eviction clause that's really the 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 biggest factor that's affecting uh some of our some of our uh rental properties uh the expectation of it right um it hasn't happened yet i mean most most people are still working um if they can or they're working from home and jobs are supporting them for the most part um, right. But it's going to come if this lasts longer for the next, you know, two, three, four months, that's something that we can expect. Um, and something that you, you might want to plan for, you know, save, save a little bit of, um, save a little bit of rental income, uh, maybe just have that reserve there to, to make sure that you can offset, um, and, and keep paying that mortgage payment. Um, also if you're, if you're having a hard time and you know, your tenants are actually losing their, losing their jobs and you have to 
you do have to go through the eviction process or you're not able to, um, you can also consider, um, consider getting in contact with your mortgage company and asking for forbearance um, for like a, a hard, I think it's a hardship forbearance, I believe. Um, because, Hey man, it's a, uh, it's, this is a, a global pandemic basically. So um, this would definitely qualify for that. And this is something that you can do to, um, to basically, you know, uh, not pay your, your mortgage for a few months. Uh, just understand your interest or your interest is still going to accrue during that time. Uh, but yeah. And, and that's all those points are right on the money, guys. I mean, this is a pandemic, right? So here in our market, here in Fayetteville, they've already restricted evictions. We cannot evict our tenants for the next 90 days, right? Because not you got to think about it. Like you have to have a heart. Now, I understand business is business, but if these people cannot go to their job to earn this paycheck, to afford their rent, and some of these people are living paycheck to paycheck, right? How... What does it look like for you now to say, hey, you were forced not to go to job and I'm now going to force you out of your home? Like this is not the time to, to start, you know, to let your heart go, right? This is a relationship business. If you can treat your tenants right now, they're more than likely going to stick with you and treat you right in the future, okay? Now, a lot of the evictions that are, we're seeing now, they started, you know, 90 days ago or whatever the case was, and they're just coming to, to a point now to that peak and they're stuck. It's like, oh man, these were bad tenants, you know, three months ago. Why can't I get them out now? It, it, it's just part of that journey that you have to kind of go through. Understand that the, you know, the leaders of the country are discussing many different options as far as stipends, emergency relief funds, and all these different things that come in forms of thousand dollars here, or tax exemptions for small business owners and things of that nature. But all those are just, uh, they're kind of, you know, they're, they're being talked about but none of them are in writing yet. So you need to be prepared that you may have a couple months loss of rent potentially. Well, on that same note, there are insurance policies out there. This might be a hard time to get it now, right? But there are insurance policies that will cover some lost rent depending on certain circumstances, right? So this could also be a really great time where you guys go out and review your insurance policies and just see what kind of clauses are in there. Uh, Cause you might have some, some relief funds in other places as well. Yeah, man. The people business, this is the people business. So you do have to, it's not that time to be a freaking, uh, an a-hole landlord. So a landlord. Uh, so some of the things that you can do and some of the things that we're, um, myself and my property manager are, are, are talking about is possibly reducing some of the rent um, just to, for those families that are actually affected that are, that they're literally out of jobs right now and their jobs is not, um, are not able to um, compensate them during, you know, during these times. Uh, we're, we're kind of reducing some rent to try to help out because just like Mike said, hey, this is a, this is a people this is a relationship business. You take care of your tenants and uh, they ultimately they do take care of you because they are the ones that pay the rent. They are the ones that maintain your property. So those are some things you can think about. Um, one thing that you do need to do is uh, what I strongly recommend doing is getting in contact with your property managers right now um, if you haven't already done so. Um, so my property managers are sending out letters, have sent out letters to my tenants for like, hey, basically just trying to, um, for expectation management for the tenants. Hey, we're, we're tracking that, you know, this is a global pandemic. We understand uh, what you might be going through right now. This is what we're doing to, to help in this situation. Um, we are reducing rent. We are, you know, if you are, if you are experiencing any challenges, we are reducing rent. Um, we are 
um, just here for any kind of support that you actually need. Um, so, and that's, that's, that's super key, especially when you're going to, um, if you're getting into this business at all and you, and you're going to own some rental properties and we talk about like the importance of a team and property management, property manager is super key and, and understand that they are going above and beyond for, you know, for you and your property. And those are some of the things that we kind of look for when we, when we, um, when we're getting these team members. So, uh, it's, it's, it's great that the property managers are doing that, but you need to have that conversation with them and make sure that, you know, they got your, they got your tenants best interest at heart. So. Absolutely. And so we covered a lot of the things with landlords, you know, and how the coronavirus is impacting real estate investing for landlords. But what about some of the more creative ones? What about wholesalers and fix and flips? Have you seen any, any new changes out in your area for wholesalers or somebody like that? Yeah. So for the wholesalers, I, I think that, I don't think it's going to have a huge impact, but I think it is going to have an impact. Um, obviously, with the 90-day, you know, no eviction thing, that creates less distressed owners, right? So there's less, uh, there's less um, potential potential sellers out there that can sell their home. They know, all right, I got an extra 90 days. Typically, the people that are that uh, we're buying these homes from, or we're getting these homes from, um, they are in distress situation. They're going through an eviction. They're going through a, a um, they're going through something distressful and, and they, they, um, they need to sell. Essentially. Yeah, they, they, they need to sell. So this just buys them extra time. So that's, uh, it makes it with that happening. It makes it a little bit harder to, you know, uh, to, to get something signed, to get a contract signed so you can um, buy that property for them. For, uh, for example, the, uh, the other thing is on the buyer end, right? So, I think that a lot of people right now are preserving their cash. They're kind of holding on to their cash. They're not making fr frivolous, you know, they're not purchasing things that they can't because we realize, hey, this this is a, a global pandemic and it's going to, will likely affect the economy in some ways. We're already seeing what's happening with the stock market, what's happening with a lot of people's IRAs and 401ks and, um, and retirement accounts. So with that said, there's less spending, right? So people are, people are holding more onto their money. So that's, that's, reduces the amount of people that we can actually sell a property to that has the cash on hand. So there's two, I mean, it's kind of like burning, burning fire on both ends of the candle, right? From the seller side, it's kind of, there's less, there's less properties, essentially less people that are trying to sell right now that are in distress situation. And then there's also a few less buyers as well because, you know, the buyer pool has, has shrunk because of that. So um, that's, those are two quick things, but I don't, I don't know, if it's a, um, I don't know if it's, I don't think it's hit that hard yet. Right. So. I, I would, I would actually agree with you 110% because we've actually seen it here. The seller side many people are like, I don't want to move right now. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to, I don't want to kick my tenant out. I don't want to, you know, I really don't want to push any buttons. Also like courthouse auction properties. A lot of wholesalers and fix and flippers get their inventory for some of these kind of off-market, you know, locations or whatever. But I mean, the courthouses are closing in some in some cases, right? So they're they're saying, hey, we're shut off to the public. We're going to stop all of our auctions. We're going to stop our, uh, you know, our bids, our tax foreclosure process, all this stuff. So the inventory is kind of getting backed up a little bit. And, and then, as you mentioned on the backside, now. You know, the Warren Buffett quote, you know, be greedy when others are fearful and be fearful when others are greedy. This could be a great opportunity for you to really come in with some heavy spending, but you're looking at 
those investors that are doing that now, it's because they prepped for an, an, an event like this, right? They had those capital cash reserves. If you're coming in as an investor trying to buy and flip that you have to borrow money to do it, typically the people that you're borrowing money from are kind of holding on tight right now with this whole, with this whole pandemic. So just keep that in mind and also understand that this is kind of mirroring that 2008-2009 event, right? About eight to 12 months after everything cleared up, there was an excess of inventory for foreclosures and everything else. Not, I mean, yes, during that time, it was because a lot of primary mortgage holders or you know, the actual mortgage holders, a lot of them went into default. But at the same time, a lot of that process was held up. I think here, we're gonna see more of the process was already started, it just got held up. And then all of a sudden after, you know, 30 to 45, 60 days and the, and the wheel gets spinning again, all of these properties are going to hit the market. So, I mean, in about six to eight months, I know in our market, we're very confident it's going to happen. And, I, and I'm, I'm willing to bet in many markets, we're going to start to see an influx of foreclosures and opportunities like that as well. That's typically how it happens, man. When the when the uh, the oh six oh seven uh, the Great Recession happened, uh, it it didn't really happen until, well, at least the inventory didn't open up back up until about a year after, and that's when everything was pretty much dirt cheap, rock bottom prices. Mm -hmm. I think the same thing's going to happen here as well. So if you got the cash um, and you want to hold on to it, and you can be a you can uh, take it you can take advantage of that opportunity because uh, just like Mike said, man, it's just on hold right now and it takes some time to actually get through everything, especially with the courthouses closing. Basically, everything is closed and everyone working from home. So there are some systems that can't be accessed um, to to continue or expedite those processes. So, yeah. And that's actually a great segue into how this is affecting real estate agents, real estate professionals, right? The The courthouse is slowing down. The lending requirements getting a little bit more stringent because of the over. So if you guys aren't aware, as soon as the rates dropped, everybody applied to refinance. Everybody applied for a new loan. And there was so much volume that a lot of these lenders, you know, they stopped, man. They pretty much had to pump the brakes because they couldn't handle the volume. And now so, the interest rates have actually hiked back up to, yeah, yeah they're yeah. like a 4.75, I think this morning, yeah, something like that. So, so you yeah. guys missed because it, right? of the Well, because of the demand, exactly like you're saying, yep. because of the sheer volume, uh, we're like, all right, well, you know, created the, uh, created the demand. The Fed dropped the interest rates to 0%, which yes, it doesn't directly affect uh, the, the, the um, mortgage rates. Yeah. The mortgage rates, but it kind of indirectly affects it. If, you know, if lending open opens up, then, you know, everything pretty much uh, th those prices are those uh, rates typically drop. So yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. I mean, and, and so now you're looking at all these agents, these buyers, right. Who are trying to get pre-qualified and maybe they got held up now, or maybe they were through the loan process and that's somewhere that got tied up. So the closing got delayed, but now the courthouses are becoming closed. Right. And what do the courthouses do? They record the deeds, right? How does an agent get paid? They get paid by a commission check after the deed records. So as a, as a real estate professional, you have to understand that during these times, you do not stop, don't stop, because in real estate, we work in 90-day cycles, all right? It takes roughly about 90 days from the time you meet a client to the time you get paid, after you find them the property and everything else. So do not stop, but understand that a lot of the work that you have done up to this point is probably going to be slow. And we have personally seen that with, with my team here in favor as well. What about closing attorneys? How is that affecting? Is that, is that slowing down yeah. the process heavily too? Well, because the, the public gatherings, they're trying to reduce that as much as possible. So the, all the closing attorneys have already put out, hey, 
agents, you're not going to attend the closing with your clients. You need to consult your client prior to, to them going to the closing desk, and then it'll be just between the attorney and the client closing. That way they can minimize the amount of actual physical contact and, you know, stay your, your social distance and all that other good stuff. Yeah, I, figured, I figured the mobile nerders would be out there in like freaking uh, like gas suits or something yeah, like that, like trying to get the signatures. Yeah. <laughs> Little hazmat suits, yeah. like spraying people down. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 kind of crazy. But ultimately, guys, just understand the impacts, right? And, and it's not necessarily a good or a bad thing, but how are you going to adapt, right? And then really the last thing that I kind of want to touch on this, most of our audience members don't really, from my understanding, don't really follow this. But what about commercial, you know, commercial space, commercial assets? Um, one of the ones in particular um, that many people probably aren't even thinking about is student housing. To me, that's one of the biggest ones. How many, are your, are your kids in school right now? Yeah. They are? Are they on spring break? Well, they just shut down the school for like three months, man. <laughs> like, oh, no, not three months. I think it was like three weeks to a, to a month. Right. Yeah, so. That's it. That's it, right? So spring break came and obviously every, people go home, they go on vacation, but then all the schools decided to shut down. Well, if the school shut down, why would the student go back to the school? Right. And so if they're if they're not going back then the student housing is going to be sitting there, they're going to be empty. So the student's mind is like, why am I going to pay for a month if I was told by the university that I can't come back because of this crisis? And in most leases, there's a clause that says if it's a university or a security risk or whatever the case may be, that we can. That's basically the, the leak in the clause where I can now break the lease without penalty. Right. So student housing is probably going to see one of the largest effects. Same thing with retail. We got businesses being forced to close down at certain times. They can't have gatherings of over so many people. So bars, restaurants are really going to see it. Um, small, yeah, the small business owners. Yeah. I mean, those are the those are the people that are actually renting out or paying paying the rent on these commercial spaces. Right. Yeah, so absolutely. those small business owners that have to shut down their 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 business and they're not getting any kind of uh, grants or any kind of uh, help from from the from the government then they're just kind of you know they're just kind of hurting right now yeah and, and which that, ultimately affects the owner of that asset right yes so exactly so always understand your assets now and again the government is specifically talking about some emergency relief events but it's all talk right now so until it actually happens you know you have to be prepared yeah, yeah. and it doesn't even seem like i mean it seems like uh right now they're more interested in helping the the bigger businesses versus like the smaller the smaller businesses right now so that is uh i think that's going to be another i mean there might be some opportunities there in the commercial space when you're talking about yeah. um talking about retail and and office space and stuff like that so yeah you got to keep that in mind so ultimately guys we really wanted to talk to you guys about how the coronavirus is impacting real estate investing right and it doesn't matter what your asset class is you really have to just take an overarching look at your portfolio. How is it going to affect it? Because remember, what's happening now is going to have a residual effect. Now, what are you going to do in the next two to three months to counterbalance and prepare for the next event? Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's perfect. I'm, I'm, I am, uh, what we're doing at least is we're definitely kind of holding on to the cash, holding on to cash right now, kind of waiting till uh, what we think is going to happen in the next eight, eight to nine months. We think everything's pretty much kind of going to go on sale because everything's going to start catching up, right? Things are going to start going on sale. Um, and that's, that's when you can find some very, very good deals. Um, so 
Yeah. I've actually, and I'm not, I'm not advocating this by any means, but a couple of my clients backed out. They said, hey, I don't want to touch it right now. I want to hold on to my money in case of comes out. So therefore, just go ahead and take me, take me out of contract. Well, I went ahead and placed a bid in on some of those properties because I know they're good deals. I'm in a position where I can do it. But my, my overall objective is to potentially burr out of these with a, just a commercial loan, burr out right when the inventory hits the market. So just kind of give me a little bit of a bump and, and uh, reserve or in, in liquidity and cash so then hopefully I can come in and, you know, be like a shark tank almost. Yeah. And then one, one last quick note is um, if you have, if you missed a wave to refinance your home or uh, refinance any of your assets, I, I think it's going to happen again. I think uh, once it starts to die down a little bit, I think interest rates, uh, the mortgage interest rates are going to, I think they might, you know, go a little bit lower, uh, maybe not two point, whatever percent they were uh, yeah. like two weeks ago. But um, even if you can take a whole percentage point off, then, I mean, that's, that's uh, some great savings. So, and always just remember that in the '90s, interest rates of eight percent were considered good. So, <laughs> lessons. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, with that said, yeah, we talked about how the coronavirus impacts real estate investing. Um, great conversation. Great conversation. If you guys have any questions, please uh, make sure to uh, leave us a comment. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, make sure to like and subscribe as well. Um, if you haven't done so already, come join our Facebook group. We have the uh, Military Cash Flow Facebook group. Um, we're in there. We're giving out information. We're helping other veterans invest. We have over 300, uh, literally over 300 military investors there. So you're not just getting me and Mike's opinion. You got, you're getting a bunch of different uh, people's comments and resources as well. So strongly recommend uh, you come on, join the group, and uh, start, start networking basically. Um, lastly, if you're watching, if you're listening to this on podcast, if you're listening to this view, uh, this, this smooth, silky, smooth voice on podcast, you know, then, uh, leave us a five-star review. Uh, yeah. I really appreciate that. And, uh, with that said, Mike, you got anything else? Nope. All right. This is Dan Wynn. And Mike Glaspie. Signing off.